like the biggest thing that like comes up most often is like this good cop, bad cop thing that I really, really hate. Like if I'm having a hard time with somebody, with one of the kids doing something, like I don't need somebody to charge in and start yelling and implementing disciplines and stuff. Like I just need a backup because good cop, bad cop doesn't work. And that it just, that just like reiterates the kids wanting to always default to me when they're emotional. And so then like, it's just like this vicious cycle. And so like, sure. Like if, if you, if you meaning like Jesse feel that like I'm being too soft or that the kids need more strict something or other in this scenario, like this needs to be a, a gradual increase. You can't go from three to 10 and expect somebody to handle that okay. Hey friend, how's it going? It's going, how about you? Oh, it's going. We are a little bit busier. I think we overcommitted with baseball. I think that's going to be my um, pit is realizing that like five weeks didn't seem that bad when we signed up for it. And then we found out that they do doubleheader games every Sunday. So they still play 10 games. It's just in a condensed time period. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. And then, uh, of course, there's practice. And it just – Hudson's handling it totally fine. Um, You, however. Which was our measuring stick was, you know, can you handle it? But it turns out that mom and dad are <laughs> overcommitted. <laughs> so that's that's my pit. But my peach is that I just really love his flag football coach. He's just oh, like the sweetest guy. He's been t- coaching for a really long time. Hudson fell and got his arm stepped on today and he like immediately pulled him out and was like having him stretch it. And Hudson was actually crying because he realized he forgot his homework at school and tomorrow's Friday. So he was like super upset about that. And he like gave him a pep talk about that. And then was just like, I just love having him on my team. His like energy and personality is just infectious. And I was like, that just means the world to me. (laughs) What about you? Um, my pit is also I overcommitted, but mostly mine's socially and a little bit professionally. And this week is just like bonkers bananas and it's all things that I want to do. So I was just like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. And then I looked at my schedule and I was like, I can't, I can't do all of that. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping that the storms this weekend will help base which I'll have to skip. Speaking uh, of it, literally just lightning and thundered. Yeah, it just thundered here too. The dog shot up. Like, what's happening? It's okay, babies. Um, and then my peach is I impromptu overcommitted and went out with two of my girlfriends last night. Um, and that was just really needed. It was nice. It was very low key. We just went to one of their houses, had a few drinks, ordered takeout, and it was a nice like 
decompress. I love that. Yeah. Could use one of those. I know, right? <laughs> I did ask not myself this, tonight. Not if, this week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drove by our Mexican restaurant and I was like, can I just get a fuck me up margarita to go? Right, right. <laughs> That was nice about COVID is restaurants did to go alcohol (laughs) just for like a couple of months. And it was lovely. Yes, I could use that. Just their margaritas specifically. I have drinks here. (laughs) That would hit the spot though. (laughs) What's the Spitfire? Spitfire shenanigans happened this week. Um, Very thankfully... You and Eric take care, basically do all the driving for Caroline's volleyball on Tuesdays because I'm also coaching volleyball on Tuesdays. Um, And so Eric came to pick up Caroline for volleyball on Tuesday and Caroline got in the car and goes, hi. And Nora looked at her and Caroline goes, Nora, what is wrong with your face? (laughs) Which I'm sure made Nora feel real good because she was devastated. So then I guess Nora like shot her like the the meanest look ever. And Caroline said something to the effect of like, you should just stop crying or why are you like, it's not a big deal. Like basically just like went on with her life and just like continued having like a happy conversation. <laughs> just, I mean, she was big mad and this is all from Eric, but yeah, I guess Caroline just opened the door and was like, what's wrong with your face? What's wrong with your face? Why does it, does it, it look like, like that? <laughs> it was her cry face, which I guess isn't becoming. <laughs> she, well, she was very upset leaving the house. Yeah. I got home late so Eric was doing dinner and um she yelled at Willa she yelled at Eric so she had to go sit on the pet at the patio table and finish her dinner by herself and like try to calm herself and there's nothing she hates more than being alone and so that like sent her over the edge and then when it was announced that I was not doing volleyball it was yeah it was down downhill from down there. into the depths. I mean, we were already <laughs> off the cliff. Right. This was like now we were hitting many cliffs on the way down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, what's your partner praise? My partner praise is that Jesse um, volunteered with the Watchdogs program at our school. Yeah. I I imagine your school probably we have doesn't. Too. Yeah. Watchdogs. Um, and our school district is basically like getting fathers more involved in volunteering at school and being a positive male influence on all of the students. And so he went to like the information meeting tonight. So he's looking forward to doing that. So I always appreciate those little things. I think they're nice. I love that. Side note, I thought it was called watchdogs specific to our school because we're the bulldogs. Oh, no. But apparently it's just... A district thing. No, it's a less thing. clever. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure dogs stand for something. It's like dads of uh, good strengths. <laughs> I don't know. Of good students. 
<laughs> that makes sense. I don't know. Um, what about my, Eric? My partner praise is that um, Eric consistently listens to our podcast like at in real time, not while we're recording, but yeah, like when it comes out. And I see him like actively working on the things, Aww. which I really love. It's very touching. Um, and I am curious what activity, what his winter listening activity will be because currently the summer one is mowing. So. Oh, right. I'll be genuinely curious as to what he chooses to do to listen to our podcast. Maybe there'll be a lot of snow. Maybe. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, goodness. All right. So. What are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the fact that kids are human too. Speaking of, I have, I have a visitor. Um, and I, this conversation came up. What do you need? Are you just going to sit with me for a sec? Okay. Um, this conversation came up I think we actually talked about it like a couple years ago and I for some reason I can remember sitting there like in the dance lobby when the girls were in hip-hop and I was like why is it so it's it's like as millennial women we are sort of like straddling this like fence where we have kind of come along to like the gentle parenting or even if that's like even if gentle is a little bit too soft for you, I forget what the like still gentle but less gentle right. name for it is called. Um, but essentially, like we have kind of come to this place where as moms, we are consistently thinking about like our children's mental and emotional health as well. And like how our actions like impact and how we model behavior and things like that. And our husbands are still like on this, the other side of this fence where they're still like essentially parenting the way they were parented. And I remember being like, you know, we're just like dragging our husbands along. And I was like, why is it so hard? And I remember you asking, I remember asking you that. And I don't, I don't think we ever like decided why. Yeah. No, not sure. Answer, but that's know. what we're going to talk about today is this concept that we are part of a generation that really wasn't raised to think about kids' feelings. We we weren't necessarily the um, seen, not heard generation, but we definitely weren't like our parents weren't necessarily like keyed into our emotional and social well-being as much as we are today. And I think a big part of the mental load is that we're the emotional backstop for everyone in the family. Right. And so when both parents aren't parenting from the same place, it just kind of creates this disconnect and this tension and like yet another layer of the mental load where we're also like managing our husband's reaction to our style of parenting. Yes. It's like marriage counseling did not prepare, like, did not prepare us for parenting. No, no. I don't. But think, I don't. Does it need to? 
I don't know. I mean, isn't that the point? <laughs> isn't that the point of marriage counseling is to like force you to talk about all of those like really, if you haven't already had those like really hard conversations around like finances and just like lifestyle, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like parenting's hard. Like there is plenty of shit that I said pre-kids where I was like, oh, that'll never fly in my house. I mean, there it goes. It just took off and it's flying everywhere. And so I do think that parenting is one of those things where like you have to do it to know. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I, but actually, I do, I do understand that like it really is telling you to we like the vision board that we've talked about like in previous episodes, about this like with my the marriage, husband, like the partnership and, and the family vision. I like Those we need values, to do the vision board. We like goals and whatnot. Because I agree. I think to, if you like, have it to align with those, if you understand what those values are, then it's easier. It and it seems like it would be easier to like correct too along the way. So then when you did have to call someone out is like a harsh term. It makes it sound very aggressive. But when you had to, you know, when you had to like. And then there's inconsistencies, but when you have to point out to someone and say like, Hey, when there's those inconsistencies, it feels so much more neutral to bring it back to like, this is our value. And it doesn't seem like we're, we're matching up to that. (laughs) Um, this also, this, this conversation, I feel like, also really kind of ties very closely into the man box that we discussed I in the first episode, where like men are are wired in a very specific like, way well, with very so specific behaviors. Has to you know match that like vision, board and that I think that also does not again. It doesn't set like, them up for success in these goals modern parenting because when you're you all about the control of, and your marriage, and no emotion and out of your life, whatever like your else inbox includes, then generally like run parallel to that. Otherwise you're, con- otherwise you're <laughs> yeah. how, how do you, how do you emotionally lead your kids when you yourself are struggling in that? And I, that's one of my, my mom friends commented on that this morning. She was talking about this, um, argument that she had with her husband and she was like you know like his reaction was at a 10 and then he wonders why our son is struggling you know their son is a toddler and toddlers have big emotions anyway and they're like in that modeling and mimicking phase so there's a lot there's a lot of contributing factors there and she goes no wonder he's struggling like look what he has as like his main role model Right. What are the main emotional issues you feel like show up at your house? Um, I would say what we like, like the biggest thing that like comes up most often is like this good cop, bad cop thing that I really, really hate. Like if I'm having a hard time with somebody with one of the kids doing something like I don't need somebody to charge in and start yelling and implementing disciplines and stuff like I just need 
a backup because good cop, bad cop doesn't work. And that it just, that just like reiterates the kids wanting to always default to me when they're emotional. And so then like, it's just like this vicious cycle. And so like, sure. Like if, if you, if you meaning like Jesse feel that like I'm being too soft or that the kids need more strict something or other in this scenario, like this needs to be a a gradual increase. You can't go from three to 10 and -hmm. expect somebody to handle that. Okay. Yeah. And so like, that's the issue that we find most. And I know that, I know that Jesse's coming from like a, like a place of love and caring for me. He wants to make sure that I respected. Yes. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's like this balance of, yes, like I should be respected and all of those things, but we have to do it in a way that our kids are able to process it and process So that's like the biggest thing. I would agree. I think think we are in very similar um, circumstances in that regard. Because, and and it's all like verbatim, could not have said it better myself. It really is that coming in and like being the hammer. And then, and then it is hard to explain too, you know, when, because I genuinely feel bad, then, you know, Eric will be like, well, I'm, you know, it really hurts that like the kids, you know, will open up and talk to you and like, always want, you know, like at bedtime, they always just want you to come. And I'm like, yeah, because the, the dynamic is, is such that like, again, it didn't really set us up for any different outcome from this, you know, like, and, and I can appreciate where you're coming from. And it's not that I disagree, but it, like you said, it has to be this gradual yeah. Change. Otherwise the kids are just like, and, and I don't know about yours, but like now Hudson and sometimes Nora are old enough to kind of articulate like what they notice about it, you know? So like one, one night, for example, Eric was, Eric was like, all right, it's going to be early bedtimes for everybody. Like, um, and I mean, this wasn't even like coming in hot. This was just like, but it was out of the blue. It was like, um, he had been gone for like a few days for work. And so he was like, I'm just excited to like have a night where we get to hang out and just like spend time together. I haven't seen you in a few days. Like I have missed you. Right. All very valid things. Yeah. And he goes early bedtime and the kids are like, what? You know, like. And, and I forget like how he answered the questions about it, but essentially like then as I was tucking the kids in, or maybe we were running an errand or something after it happened, it was kind of like in between it happening or being announced and actually happening. And Hudson was like, dad just want, like, he's just punishing us so he can have you to himself. And so it was like this total disconnect where it was like, no, 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 like you're not, but like early bedtime right, is right. usually when you've done something 
<laughs> not, you know, not within the bounds of what you're allowed to do. It's a punishment. Yeah. And, you know, so he just didn't understand. I was like, no, 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 you know, and, but then again, like, and even, even tonight getting ready for bed, like we just did not, there was not time for me to read and snuggle because Eric and I were having a conversation leading right up into recording time. And it was like, all right, guys, like, and you could tell he was like, okay, well, they're just going to whine and cry about me having to put them in bed. I was like, but it's that dynamic of, right, you know, doing it when you're more doing it more often when you're just in this space of calmness and looking to connect versus your mom pulled you five times. And now I'm in here to like, let you all know that not only is she not putting you to bed, but there will be like no stories and there will be no stuff. Like you are cut off. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. And I mean, and when I think when parents come in hot like that, then the kids don't know how to respond any other way than hot themselves. Yeah, there's this this saying that I feel like I see, uh, like on a few different parenting channels, um, pretty regularly, and it's basically like when kids have big emotions, it's our job to. Um, like provide the calm, we yes. should not be like matching them. And I feel like, you know, the opposite is also true. Like our kids and somebody, um, I think I, I think I saw a reel about this recently too, where it was basically like your kids basically are giving you whatever they are feeling. So like if you come in hot, they're like, well, the only place for me to be is right hot as well. And then I'm going to give that back to you. And this, this has basically instantly imploded and now mm-hmm. everyone is miserable. Right. I think the other, the other thing that kind of shows up is this like feeling and especially like in, in parenting styles of being, feeling like we are too passive as moms but us feeling like on the other side of that, that the dads are too like aggressive in oh, not totally. aggressive, not like physically aggressive or right. you know, not in an abusive way, but just in that way, like we are too permissive and they are too strict. That's a better way to say it. Yeah. Um and and I see that show I feel like that is sort of like a like if I could put a thought bubble above Eric's head sometimes in certain situations, I 100% feel like he'd be like, if you just put the hammer down, this wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> yeah. for I And I think I, I talked about it a little bit in episode one, but uh, or in season one, but Jess and I had a really like big epiphany um, earlier this year where we like finally nailed down like our main issue when it comes to parenting because we do truly have all the same values he is more strict but far less consistent where I am more lenient but always consistent 
Mm-hmm. And so like finding like it's those two are constantly fighting because for me, if I can't hold it to 100 percent, like I can't hold that ever because I just can't stand not like consistency is a very important thing for me as a as a human. And so in if if I set a boundary, like I have to be consistent. So therefore, to get around that with four kids working full time and all of that stuff, I'm just more lenient mm-hmm. where he is literally the flip-flop. And so that's where like we are constantly trying to like bring it back to. I'm regularly trying to work towards holding the kids to higher standards because I know that they're capable of it capable of it and I know that it'll benefit them in the long run and then he's constantly working on well if I'm going to set this boundary today I need to have it right right tomorrow and the next day and the next day right I can't tell you that you can never have a water glass outside of the kitchen because it got spilled one time because that is not something that I'm going to remember tomorrow, but also you're definitely not going to remember tomorrow. And it can't be like the punishment for that is, you know, I don't know, not being able to. Since we've identified that, I will say that like my mental load in that parenting aspect, like being the emotional, um, referee in our house has gotten better because we've actively identified and named and labeled where we are regularly struggling from the co-parenting situation. And then we're both working on it in very active ways, but I'm definitely more in tune, keyed up, however you want to say it, to the kids' emotions because I was raised as a female and Mm -hmm. so I was allowed to feel all my feels where he was not because when you're 12, boys don't cry. Right, right. So. I had that thought today as when Hudson took that fall at flag football and um, like he walked off the field and uh, like was crying and in my head I was like, nobody made a big deal out of it. And in my head, I thought how much longer until they start making a big deal out of stuff like that. Yeah. Side note to that. But uh, what I think is, so I feel like kind of across the board, what I run into when we, when we think about like how, um, we're kind of straddling this fence and kind of bringing, kind of trying to bring everyone along with us into this kind of more like modern mindset of parenting. I I think across the board, I hear that like yelling is sort of the main issue. And like, it, it's not ever um, like nine times out of 10, I'm like, yeah, they probably do deserve to get yelled at for something, you know, like, Right. I have, you have said five times to get your shoes on and get in the car to leave for school, you know, like it is not that it is not warranted, but, and I think I've mentioned this before. It's sort of like that, um, that scale of like, 
you know, is this maybe just a raised voice versus I am losing my shit voice, you know, like I will raise my voice and be like, I am very frustrated. You are not listening. Get in the car. But there's a difference between like that and being like, get in the car. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you can be stern and strict and assertive without yelling. Yes. But but also nobody's perfect and totally. I mean, but I think I, it's like it's the consistent when that's kind of like the default. The default is where the problem lies. Yeah, where it gets to be a struggle. And I found this I found kind of like some interesting like information around it because I was like, what is this? Truthfully, it was kind of a very tricky episode to research. I felt like because there isn't a, I mean, this isn't something that I was able to find kind of discussed a lot is sort of this like difference, different in parenting styles, right? Like it, it really, um, a lot of it kind of bordered more around um, how to handle if like you're in an abusive situation, which is not what like this conversation is centered around. But what I thought was interesting is that like, and I I feel like kind of helps paint a little bit of the picture because it's also difficult when you're trying to kind of explain this like emotional, the need for this like emotional regulation um, is because I feel like we can also see sort of the effects that it has, like as it's happening because it's not being directed at us. So we sort of, we obviously have that sort of like spectator view. And so there's like psychological effects that happen when you're yelled at, you're body releases cortisol and adrenaline into your bloodstream. So then like you have more difficulty thinking you're, you start to interpret the other person's actions as attacking like you or your sense of self. It creates like anxiousness and depression or depression and um, things like that. And I feel like we don't necessarily, again, we weren't raised to like think about these kinds of things, but I think that having sort of the third party view of it, you recognize it a lot more and you can be like, Oh, I can see, I can visibly see that child like withdraw from you. And then I, you can automatically kind of connect the dots to like, well, of course they're not going to come to you for X, Y, or Z because it doesn't feel like a safe space for them. Right. Yeah. Because I think that, I mean, like you said, like it, it, it makes them question their, like it feels very personal when you're being yelled at. And so that's like this self-esteem type conversation that then like, oh, well, I can't do anything right because so-and-so is always yelling at me. And that's, that's just going to snowball. And we all know that, the generation that we're currently raising is basically fucked when it comes to self-esteem as social media is like just the curse and the bane of my existence. Um, 
it's it's wonderful, but it's also like very very detrimental to our children. Um, so it's just like like you said, that spectator view I think is just really really. Um, unique in seeing that laid out and being able to remove those emotions within the situation because it's not directly impacting in the moment. Yeah. And I, I would be curious, like, I, I don't remember my dad being like a, like a dad who yelled a lot. Um, Yeah, I just, so maybe, like, I didn't, and I'm trying to think, like, I don't necessarily feel like, I maybe had, like, one, I think I had a couple of friends whose dads were, like, yellers, and it was always very, like, jarring to be at their house, because you're just like, oh, like, you were scared of them. You were like, I would like to call my mom now, (laughs) because, (laughs) you know, and, um, you know, but on the flip side, Eric is like, yeah, I like, and, and you can still kind of see traces of it today when the kids are playing at his parents' house. He's like, yeah, my dad like yelled all the time about everything. Like that was just like, that was his style of communication. And that just in general, it seems, again, it's that, it's a fine line between your your frustration and your anger are valid in this moment. But also there are many other ways that we can like express that anger and frustration, you know, like we could, and this maybe comes back to being like too permissive versus being too strict on things. Like um, maybe we have like a harsher penalty then what we have today, I'm trying to think what ours is for not listening. It's, there probably isn't one because I don't think my kids follow a single direction the first time they're told. <laughs> so, I mean, we would like, we would always be on lockdown. Right. We're very, we're, we're a very natural consequences type family. Like I do the best I can to relate the punishment as a direct consequence to whatever action. But obviously, like, if you don't put your shoes on for school, I'm not going to send you to school without shoes because. I can't. Can't. (laughs) And also, I can't keep you home today. Right. And so there's definitely, like, taking away privileges. But, yeah, I, I mean... Yelling is, like, this, like, gut reaction. And it's just, like, being appropriate mm-hmm. in whatever situation you're in. Like, I'm not going to cuss out my boss when I'm angry at her. Right. I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to express how she is making me feel or what I am angry about, or I'm going to try to find a solution. So like our, our kids like the title are also humans. And so why is it appropriate in that situation? Or why is it inappropriate in that situation, but appropriate 
just to yell and scream at our kids or even like an employee, like an employee employer. Like if she was pissed at me for something, she would never yell at me. Right. Right. Because that's disrespectful and rude. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think that's the hardest thing to kind of wrap your head around. And what makes it so tricky is because kids are people too. And, and just because we are adults does not make our behavior toward them less disrespectful, less rude, less scary. It probably magnifies those things. And then, you know, it's something that, and I think it's, they take and obviously they start to implement and they start to model and it becomes really difficult to like turn the tide. I, I want to go back to your like natural consequences thing. I'm, I'm trying to be a lot better about natural consequences. I think we definitely got by the time the kids were like in school I was working from home full time. Um, It was only Hudson's first semester of kindergarten that I like went to an actual office. And so then it became really easy. Like if you forgot something, like if you forgot your winter coat, I can run it. I run it back to you. Um, And that got us into like a habit where there wasn't really consequences. So you didn't have to listen in the morning because like mom would just, wasn't Take a big deal. She, yeah. She would just like bring it back, you know? And even if it meant like that, I remember distinctly, there was one summer morning where I, like I drove the drop off route two times mm-hmm. because everybody forgot something. And, and Nora's was we rolled up to daycare and she didn't have shoes on. And I was <laughs> like, I, do not fucking understand out of all the things your your shoes and she's like i just forgot and i'm like but how all right how did you forget that you were going to daycare and and would therefore need shoes and then and then also that summer hudson lost shoes he went to the pool with kids club <laughs> Oh my god. And left without shoes. Like walked across the parking lot, went on a bus, went <laughs> the whole rest of the afternoon in the school gym. No without shoes. Sh- no shoes. Because he just forgot. He just forgot. <laughs> so there was definitely like a detriment to that. But I feel like that the idea of like scaling your consequences a little bit more. Yeah. So that you can be more consistent with it is definitely something that again, it eliminates sort of that like bad cop, good cop. If we can agree. And I, and I think the toughest thing is making it feel connected to the punishment yes, or the, the crime, so to speak. (laughs) Um, I tried, I tried it was a joke, but I would be rich if I could do this. Actually, not really. I would just make like probably a couple hundred bucks off my kids. But I tried to implement because it's all they've got between them. <laughs> so whatever, whatever like fun money they haven't spent um, from previous birthdays. But uh, I tried to implement this failure. What did I call it? Um, 
failure to stop fee. <laughs> I think it was like FTFS where basically like, because in our household, somebody says stop and like, it doesn't matter. You just keep doing it. Doesn't matter if like you're tickling somebody and they're like, ha ah, stop, please stop, please stop. You could be beating up on your sister. Like you could have, you could be yelling at her and she'd be like, stop. And it doesn't matter. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried to implement a, a fine where every time somebody failed <laughs> to listen the first time, I took a dollar and I was like, listen, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a solid 80 bucks by the end of this day. It didn't work. I, that's so funny because I had a very similar suggestion to my children just a couple of weeks ago. And it was for every light that is left on that I have to turn off. It was going to be a nickel. So like your charge is a lot. Because I wanted it, to, I wanted it to be obtainable for them, and I know they got nickels in their penny bank, their piggy bank. But I was just like, I mean, I would, I would end the week with like twenty bucks. Yeah, like easy, and yes. just nickels. Yes, because then they would see how many times I do it a day. I'm just flipping off lights. Maybe I should take our change jar. The problem is my kids don't have change. So they, like, when they get monetary gifts from, like, birthdays or whatever, yeah. or if they, like, do on on a, the occasion where we do pay them for chores or something like that, um, there's, like, a certain amount that they put into savings. And then yeah. they have, like, these envelopes in our kitchen cabinets that, you know, and that's where, like when they're going on like field trips over the summer and they're like, Oh, I want to, you know, I don't be able to get snow cones at the skating mm-hmm. rink or whatever. And we're like, great. I'm not paying for that today. If you want it, then like you can take it out of your money. Yeah. So my kids don't have coins. They don't have dollars. <laughs> dollar, dollar bills. And I was going to take all of them. <laughs> Like I tried to point out, I was like, when we were at grandma and grandpa's for three hours, I would have made about $50 because you just like actively, and that day it was like they made eye contact and then still chose not to listen. (laughs) Most days it's plausible deniability. That day it was like blatant disregard for instruction. Um, but and all of this, like just like circling it all back, like it makes us think about everything so much more because we're going through and we're anticipating their reaction, how your husband's going to react when you come at him or not come at him hot, but like when you talk to him, like, hey, like I feel like yelling was probably not like the ace in the hole for this conversation. Um, and yelling just is really overstimulating. I am really sensitive to noises. It always blows my mind how loud Jesse can listen to the radio with the kids in the car. Yeah. Because I like hear them talking and the radio is going and then he has like the window cracked and I'm like, I'm like literally about to lose it. I can't tell you what I'm going to lose. I'm not going to, I can't tell you my reaction, but there's just 
much inside. And There's I energy and it's going to come out. Yeah. Like, and so for me, all of that like yelling and emotional outburst is like, it's a very like, it makes me feel a little frantic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I am the same way. The kid noise doesn't bother me as much. It bothers me when they're not getting along. Like then, so they could be the same level of loud, but if it's because they're arguing with each other and screaming and like saying mean things, it is like impossible for me to ignore. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're having fun and everybody's getting along, it doesn't bother me. One of the days that Eric was was out of town, like on a Saturday, I think he had to work or something. Um, but I let Hudson have a couple of friends over and then, you know, so then like Nora was also playing with them. And then right. uh, I was like, I was painting my new office and my neighbor was like, Hey, I'll come help you. And she brought her kids over and it was legit like martial law. I mean, it right. was people were running through the house and like flying in and out of doors and yelling and like same level of loud, but because it was like, Oh, look, listen to them having fun. It just doesn't overstimulate me in quite the same way as like the negative stuff does. But But did you also have like a fan running and ACDC playing at volume Alexa 10? No, I guess not. (laughs) I guess okay. it was just me like chatting while I was painting. That's, 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 the, that's the problem. That's fair. I'm sure I do get that way. I guess I do get that way. Like sometimes in the morning, the kids will like, um, like they'll turn Alexa on. And I guess, mm-hmm. I, yes, the level of noise overstimulates because I will often find myself like yelling me like, Alexa, turn off because- you know, like they turn it up so loud and then they're like laughing and goofing off and running around and then somebody- I want to tell you a story. Yeah. And then they're like, <laughs> yes. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's the overstimulation. Yelling definitely adds to it. I actually just came to that conclusion like very recently where I, I was like, oh, you know what? The problem is, is that like yelling also seems to just add to it. Right. And so then it's it's not good. But also I think- I think the noise and the chaos is overstimulating for Eric as well. I don't know that he would agree. I don't know that he would identify that himself. But I think that, like, there is a certain level just that just gets, like, overstimulated. Mm-hmm. For him. And then that causes him to yell. Because, sure. it's like, like, like you were saying, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to lose, but I am right. going to lose it. Right, right. Yeah, I do feel like there might be a level of that with Jess. But I think, I mean, I'm assuming so we can we can circle back and see what his answer would be, but I think that I think a little bit of like emotions overstimulate him because he came like he was raised with like they didn't really talk about hard stuff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then he married me, which was. <laughs> and I'm like, let's talk about everything. Um, I had so, 15 emotions in the past hour. Let's, yeah. I would let's like to discuss them. Yes. 
Um, and so I think a little bit like when there's a lot of, when things are emotionally charged, I think that is maybe not overstimulating, but certainly overwhelming. And so his natural reaction is to shut it down as quick as possible. And when he was younger, that's how his, his dad did it. Yeah. You know what I, am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely like, I think it carries from generation to generation. And again, I think that's why it feels so hard and it feels like it adds on to the mental load is because you're constantly in this balancing act of trying to be everybody's emotional backstop. Also examine what the effect of this is going to have on your children, play out 500 different scenarios and then be like, okay, now I've got to decide like at what level I address this. And then I've got to kind of prepare for that. And then the, outcome, <laughs> you know, and it just sort of like keeps on and on and on yeah. where I like, again, generationally. And then the way that like our husband's parent because of the way they were parented, they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't think about that nearly to that extent, you know, like I will think about it if like it clearly was too much and I probably owe an apology, but outside of that, I'm not like, I'm not assessing these variables. These are like non-inputs for me. Well, because they weren't ever taught how to. And society assumed that they wouldn't ever have to and that they shouldn't. Right, right. I think I love the idea of circling back to the vision board mm-hmm. because we need to create like a vision board, like download or something. Like, I don't I know. know. We need to like work on because it does it, what I feel like the conversation is hard because it it like it does feel very personal for us to be like okay but the way like literally you're programmed like that's you know like there's not really an easy way to have that conversation like right. it's not your fault it's just the way you were raised like that does not <laughs> it's not your fault but it is your problem <laughs> yes. um that doesn't help that doesn't it's not productive it doesn't get anywhere but having kind of those like values identified and agreed upon. And I think even kind of taking it a step further and like understanding what the other person values, like I'm not talking like love languages, but just in general, like it it feels like it comes down to kind of knowing your partner and, and being flexible on like your style, you know, like there's like, uh, like Kristen said, when she was on in the first season, there isn't like my way or your way or the right way and the wrong way, but it feels like that Mm -hmm. in, in the moment. And I think understanding what your partner's values are and then which ones are shared and, and being able to flex to that and go, okay, I know that you value calm and organized. That's not, that's not, organized isn't me today, but maybe calm can be me, you know? Right, right. Um, and then similarly, being able, I've, I've thought about this 
Um, I, I don't know if Eric would go along with it. I think it would be a sort of a fun, like role-playing exercise. I thought about having like a, like a team weekend where basically it's like, we are all on the same team. And like, we basically approach everything for the entire weekend as a family, like we are on a team playing a sport. And so therefore like everybody has to prepare the same amount, right? Because when you're on a team, you don't get to be like the one kid who doesn't show up for conditioning. Right. No. And like, when you are on the same team, like you don't yell at your teammates for getting it wrong. You encourage them and you like build them back up. And I, in my head, I was like, oh, I would just like, like team jerseys. And so like, we would just, you know, it's this whole like themed thing for the weekend. It was essentially like, how can I put us through boot camp <laughs> in like a fun way? <laughs> oh my um, God. Because I think, like you said, it comes down to that, like that feeling of like bad cop, good cop, or not being on the same team and not feeling like you are working towards the same goals. I don't know. Maybe the vision board comes with team jerseys. I mean, I'm all for it. I was like, I'll throw in some three-legged races in our backyard. <laughs> and we can play against each other. We could. One of yours has to sit out though, because it can't mm. be it can't be six against five. That's not you fair. guys could add like gunner. <laughs> Gunner's not suitable for public consumption. <laughs> you can't we can take we'll take Mavis. <laughs> Neither of them have thumbs. Oh, well, we're sorry about. That. We'll just adopt a kid. We'll we'll borrow the neighbor kid or something. So outside of families competing, what else can we do? <laughs> okay, so I think identifying those individual behaviors or values, the shared values, but I also think just having like a maybe like a code phrase or something where you're just where like you can kind of de-escalate things without um, and also like clue your partner in to be like, Hey, we need to have an adult conversation about this. Um, And it doesn't make sense to wait until maybe, you know, 10 hours from now, right before we go to bed. And that's the only time we have together without kids around. Um. But I think having ways to like de-escalate that and then also kind of having enough self-awareness to be like, I can feel myself, like I can feel my temperature rising to a point where I'm going to like explode. So maybe I just need to remove myself from this situation and like I can, I can come back to this and still have the same effect in a couple of minutes after I like found some zen, (laughs) found some deep breathing, screamed into a pillow. I don't know. Like my kids use like emotional, social, like worksheets from their guidance counselor about how they can manage their anger. (laughs) Pick one of those things. Scream into a pillow, take a deep breath, read a book. Yeah. So I think, I think it requires a level of like self-awareness and humility to also be like, Nope. And you have to be able to, and you have to be able to own it. Nothing is, 
I feel like it's not totally out of the mental load cycle until like you are fully owning it. So it's not enough for me to like point it out and then like direct you. I also need you to follow through, I guess. Yeah. Well, just like be like making an obvious effort. Yeah. Yeah. But, and then like everybody needs to practice the coping skills because kids learn Mm -hmm. from modeled behavior. And so when we're as parents working through those coping skills and like there have been plenty of times that I have told my kids like, I need a timeout. I have some big feelings and I need to just go. Yeah. And so I think that our, our spouses are allowed to do that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because that is some, that's a coping mechanism. Yeah. I also love identifying like where, where the level of consequences have to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and kind of in, in having, again, if you know the values and then, you know, kind of tactically, this is what, you know, we agree is the consequence for not listening to get in the car for school. It's not, um, it's not that you lose your switch and TV for an entire week. Right. It is you know, maybe, and I, and I've even read and heard that like the the consequence has to be like very immediate. It can't even be like when you get home from school, because by the time your kids get home from school, they've forgotten about this. And so then the punishment again, doesn't make sense. It feels disproportionate to them. Mm -hmm. So I feel like kind of identifying like, well, what are some things that like we can do in the moment where the consequence feels like a natural consequence, but also is not like, doesn't feel too permissive, but also doesn't feel like you, you dropped Thor's hammer and no one saw that one coming. And now they have to walk to school and make it there in time, three miles on a highway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your kids walk... Across the street. Literally across the street. Um, but yes, my kids my kids have a very uh, a very busy truck to get to uh-huh. school across a four-lane highway. Um uphills both way too. No. Of course. <laughs> Obviously. But yeah, I mean, so I think those things also kind of help like diffuse some of that tension. And it just gets everybody again, to kind of think about kids in terms of like their feelings and their emotional well-being, not just, not just as people who have to follow the rules because you said so. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us today. So overall, treating your kids like they're humans, likely going to benefit you, your relationship with them, and probably your marriage too. So if you are listening and this resonates with you, we would love for you to share this with a friend, with your husband, start a conversation 
And as always, rate, review, and subscribe. It helps other listeners like you find our podcast and it helps us grow. So until next time. All right. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.